summer takes off. What's say we put some skin in the game? Woo. Top Gun Maverick must be seen on the biggest screen possible. Damn right. Damn on your stick. We gotta move. No turning back now. Top Gun Maverick. There's the promo for Top Gun Maverick. I think they even brought back the voiceover guy from the 80s to do that one back from 86. I mean, this week, if you were watching the Battle of Alberta, the Oilers and the Flames brought back memories of the 80s with that freewheeling, freestyling, great hockey. And this weekend, you can go right back to 86 all over again uh, because that decade is literally roaring into theaters this weekend. Top Gun, perhaps one of the most iconic or 80s of 80s films, uh, is back. Top Gun Maverick, Tom Cruise too. He brings uh, his character back again, uh, Pete Maverick Mitchell or Captain Pete Maverick Mitchell, I should say. Um, so we're all excited about this, I would imagine. People have already seen it. It's going to be interesting really here because people my age remember it from the theaters back in 86. I don't know if anyone much younger remembers it. And obviously older folks have been a little less, a uh, little less eager to run back to the cinema since the end of the pandemic. Anyway, it's coming up for Memorial Day weekend. Haven't listened to another one of the promos. It all sounds pretty exciting. Your instructor is one of the finest pilots this program has ever produced. His exploits are legendary. What he has to teach you may very well mean the difference between life and death. Reputation precedes you. I have to admit, I wasn't expecting an invitation back. They're called orders, Maverick. Ah, the formula is still there, but is it still a winning one? More than three and a half decades later, Steve Stebbing is a pop culture expert. He joins me now. Uh, Steve, it's welcome to the show, and it's kind of exciting. It, it, certainly, the promos are good. Yeah, and you know, you know, Ben, I actually got to see it last night, and. Yeah. Um, it lives up to it. And it was a dicey gamble. I mean, cause this movie has been essentially ready to go for over two years. I think at this point that they had already slated it to come out. I believe it was May uh, beginning of May, 2020, I think was the first date for it. Uh, so yeah, I mean, they held it back to get it, give it the best experience possible and the big screen or even bigger going to see it on IMAX is the way to see it because uh easily said this movie absolutely rocks in every way really i mean i i can i, I gather there's very little cgi in it right they actually tried to make it as realistic as possible by doing well realistic it is realistic because it is real to some extent yeah honestly if there is cg in this movie it is seamless to the point that i honestly couldn't tell you what was real and what wasn't uh especially in the third act which is so a real and immersive feel feeling that you're literally white knuckling your seat watching this film you know i was just curious because of course i saw the original in the theaters way back mm -hmm. when i'm dating myself but uh you know 1986 and i i look back to see what the the critics thought of it because i remember the critics not being particularly 
unimpressed, but they weren't so impressed either. So uh, Siskel and Ebert's review was, movies like Top Gun are hard to review because the good parts are so good and the bad parts are so relentless. <laughs> but uh, So the dogfights are absolutely the best, in, best, best since Clint Eastwood's electrifying aerial scenes in Firefox from 1982. But look out for the scenes where people talk to one another. So yeah. I was wondering if it was similar for this one or they found a better formula to make those non-flying scenes work too. I think they embrace uh, what the fans loved about the original film, because the the cool thing about this movie is uh, it does have that reverence and love to every the, the whole foundation of what it came from, but it also is able to push itself into being a bigger echelon of film. The, easier said that this is a better movie than 1986's Top Gun. It feels more grown up. It feels like it has that. 30 years of experience and it actually manages, which is oddly enough to be cinema, like which really kind of blew me away. Like it, it kind of exists. Like I think it exists as action film cinema, some of the best in the last 20 years. Oh, that's, that's, that's a high praise indeed. Because remember the first one was a really great action movie. Just everything mm -hmm. in between felt a little bit like it was, it was all just teeing up for the, you know, teeing up for the, uh, for the big moments in the air. Right. It's, uh, yeah. The, yeah. But this, this um, one focuses more on the, the, the big character moments. And I will say that there's a scene in this movie and without giving anything away that is yeah. possibly one of Tom Cruise's greatest moments on film. Really? Because I was going to, that's what I wanted to, yeah, yeah. I wanted to, I, that I, tell me a bit about the Tom Cruise, because this is a risk for him too. I mean, he's not, he's 57 yes. now, um, mm -hmm. being in an action movie like this is, it's never, I mean, he's done, obviously the mission impossible movies have done great, sure. uh, but this is always a chance. So does he, does he, uh, does it succeed for him? I think it does. And I, and besides the Mission Impossible movies, he's not really a sequel guy. Like, uh, I mean, Jack Reacher, Never Go Back was another one of the, his sequels, and it, it didn't pan out. It was part of, like, the odd, bad time in his career where he did The Mummy and he did that film. So it was more of a gamble for to grab another one of his franchises and to be like, can we do another film, especially 30 years out? Yeah. So, um, well, and what about the music? Because the music was sort of an iconic part of the first one. Yeah. Um, does it, does it, does it work again in this one? I, I think it does. You get to hear those squealing guitars like really quickly into the film to kind of set you up and give you that tone that you are back, back in Top Gun. Um, and yeah, I, I think that it still plays with the same stylings of the Tony Scott original. Um, and yeah, it, it, it just hits so well. Like it just feels like, you know, obviously time has passed, but you're still, you still got that same feeling. Do you think, I mean, they would have had to try to walk the line between appealing to the audience that liked the first one while engaging an audience that may not have seen the first one, or at least may not have seen the first one on the big screen. Uh, that's not an easy line, line to walk. No, no. I mean, and we've already seen movies play with nostalgia and fail. Um, so it's like, can, can you do it properly while kind of wrapping in a new audience? Uh, and I, I think it does it well enough while uh, kind of keeping uh, the pieces fresh from the first film that you can engage a new viewer with, that they know what's going on, what the relationships are and everything and what the end goal is. This is a pretty, I mean, 
I was reading that uh, the box office has been a bit low since the new Doctor Strange came out. Last week wasn't so good. I guess Hollywood too, uh, after a couple of tough years, is also looking uh, for this one to hit big. Yeah, I mean, this is. I think this is going to bring the dads back. This is, this is like this is, this is Dad Rock the movie. And, you know, I think I think it's going to bring them back. Uh, are you expecting a lot of, I'm wondering a lot of, of a lot of dads are going to show up with the aviators and the, and the, and the bomber jacket on. That's, that's what uh, I was wondering. I, I think it's entirely possible. Cause I will say I live in a small town in BC and, and the movies are really never like packed. My screening last night was to the gills. So like it, it's going to bring people back. I think. Always a good sign. I, I was wondering, I mean, who is the, and I hope this doesn't give away anything, but who is the enemy in this one? <laughs> because the old one was easy. It was Russia. It was the Soviet Union yeah. in the eighties, but who, who's the enemy this time around? There, there's a vagueness to this. There, there's a definite <laughs> vagueness to it. Uh, it it's acceptable. I, I totally take it as acceptable, but basically let's say, um, secret impenetrable base filled with a n- nuclear substance that threatens the world. Interesting. <laughs> yeah, because clearly they couldn't make it. I mean, it certainly couldn't be China. You wouldn't, you wouldn't be allowed to release the movie there, which would be bad nope. news for the, for the box office. Um, and it can't be, well, interesting. Well, I, we'll leave it at that because I don't want to give too much of it away. Uh, so, so in terms of sequels, and you mentioned this a bit earlier, but in terms of sequels to big movies, how would you rank this one? Uh, like I said, this, this is, it surpasses the original and that's something that is incredibly rare in our sequel driven, um, high end box office. And the fact that they're able to bring everybody back and then expound on that and make it infinitely better, uh, is something that I honestly never expected. And, and I gather there's a lot of sort of references back to the original for those of us who are nostalgic for the original. Oh yes. Including a beach sports scene for everybody. So, I mean, uh-huh. it, it's great. I guess they don't play a jukebox anymore though, right? Those must be gone by now. Uh, <laughs> I can't give all the way, all the secrets away, Ben. Don't there give are, them all there away. are so many Easter eggs. <laughs> <laughs> as long as he doesn't make a sequel to Cocktail, I think uh, Tom Cruise is in good shape. Um, hey. <laughs> I don't, I, Cocktail wasn't so bad, but I don't think I'd want to see a second one. I'd love to see Brian Brown in anything these days, honestly. So true enough, true enough. Um, <laughs> perfect. So there you go. High, high praise. And, and by the way, uh, in this case, uh, Steve's not alone. The reviews for this movie and the audience reaction to this movie has been extremely positive, uh, which is always interesting for these blockbusters because you never do know when they come out. They uh, some of them get widely are widely enjoyed, but not much loved in turn by the critics. This one seems to be making everyone happy for a, a little '80s nostalgia. Coming up, speaking of the '80s, some of the best movies of the '80s or early '90s um, starred Ray Liotta, whether it be uh, Field of Dreams or Goodfellas particularly. He passed away, of course, uh, yesterday at the age of 67. And we'll talk a bit more about uh, his legacy after this. When I was broke, I would go out and rob some more. We ran everything. We paid off cops. We paid off lawyers. We paid off judges. Everybody had their hands out. Everything was for the taking. And now it's all over. Ray Liotta. Uh, Goodfellows, clearly his most famous role, but, um, he passed away yesterday at the age of 67, uh, in the Dominican Republic where he was shooting a movie. One of those actors who, who everyone knows, he, he never made it really big, uh, but certainly everyone remembers him from something. I mean, speaking of 86, when Top Gun came out, I remember seeing him in something wild with Mm. Melanie Griffith, where he plays her husband and he was great in that. 
But uh, I didn't know much about him. And then obviously um, in Goodfellas, uh, he, he leaves behind a pretty interesting legacy as one of those, one of those character actors that people really remember. Absolutely. Dependable um, is one of the words that come to mind for sure. Uh, and I mean, besides something wild, he like something wild, feel the dreams and Goodfellas were really his start. Those are really his first big three roles uh, with the star making moment coming with Goodfellas. And yeah, he's just one of those actors that you know once he's an ensemble that it's going to like he's going to be able to elevate the film just by being in it. I got carried away there and forgot to mention I was speaking with Steve Stebbing, pop culture <laughs> expert from here at BC. I got I got Ray Liotta there for a minute. What I I didn't know a few things about about his career. A that he had been on Another World that I didn't mm-hmm. know uh, for quite a few years actually, uh, and that B he hadn't been in a movie till he turned thirty, which is which is pretty old for an, I mean, it's, it's getting later in a career for an actor and that was something wild. So I guess it was kind of make or break for him on that one. Absolutely. I mean, those, those kind of acting stories are few and far between. I mean, just off the top of my head, I think Michael Shannon is one of those that, that started later in his career. Um, ben Mendelsohn, uh, as far as uh, uh, big Hollywood movies. Uh, yeah, I mean, and, and it's funny because all the actors that I mentioned that I think about that are all those great gritty character actors and uh Leota is uh as far as the leading man he also he's just commanding any time he was there because uh there's there's many movies that just his performance alone is it makes it an immediate favor for me yeah i remember him in hannibal obviously and some other things um one of the things that i also read about him that was interesting is that after goodfellows clearly he could have just played that character for a very long time, but he didn't want to. And I guess later in life, he, he looked back on that and thought that maybe he shouldn't have been so picky about who he was and wasn't going to play, but he didn't want to be typecast. But I mean, he did end up picking some very interesting role, roles and diverse roles. I mean, right after that, he did uh, a personal favorite of mine. I don't think he gets enough love, but it's Martin Campbell's sci-fi action film, No Escape, which is right. just such a cool movie from 1994 that I love. We'll have to, you know, I, I don't think I've seen that since 1994. <laughs> I'll have to, right? I'll have to uh, yeah, no, absolutely. A, a good one. He, I, I guess he was also busy of late though. He had continued to be a successful working actor right up through, uh, through now, even though perhaps some of those movies weren't, uh, weren't big name movies. Well, I, I, he did the Sopranos prequel film. He played a dual role in that, which I, I didn't know heading into it that Ray Liotta was in it. So I was kind of surprised by that one. And uh, yeah, just like a bit stuff popping up. I mean, he even did an Adam Sandler movie a couple of years ago, the Hubie Halloween. So he was just kind of like, looks like he was just doing work for him and picking, still picking what interested him and wanted to work with the people that he hadn't worked with before. So he was very eclectic in that way. Of course, uh, his passing brought up that age-old, age-old debate. What is the best gangster movie of all time? Because many people will say it's Goodfellas. Uh, I'm partial to the first Godfather, but uh, but Goodfellas certainly certainly has a claim to the title. I, I really like Godfather. Uh, I mean, uh, Goodfellas, but um, I'm a Godfather Two guy. I really like yeah. the De Niro part of the story. Um, but I, I mean, it, it's such a varied genre. There's so many little ins and outs and subgenres within it. But I mean, yeah, Scorsese and Coppola kind of got the it by the reins at this point. Still, I mean, decades and decades afterwards, they're still kind of the, the benchmark. 
I understand that Coppola, uh, at one point while he was filming, waiting to film the rest of Apocalypse Now, sat down and edited The Godfathers into sequence. So you could actually see the De Niro part first, then all of one, and then the second part afterwards, uh, which I always thought might be interesting because you're right, the second film is fantastic. Uh, probably a better movie than the first one in many ways. I mean, we'll, we can easily both say that it is better than the third movie. It is, it is, although the third one, oddly enough, which I saw at the time when it came out and it was, you know, it was disappointing, needless to say. Mm-hmm, um, mm-hmm. If you look back at it now, it's actually not that bad a movie. And there's been kind right. of a, a, a reconsideration of it slightly. Well, it actually, and Coppola re-edited it recently into the Godfather Coda, which came out on Blu-ray probably almost a year ago now. And it actually makes it marginally a better film uh, just with kind of reordering the sequences and everything, it has its dull patches still to it. But I mean, that helicopter uh, hit on the whole family in the hotel is still insanely well done. Andy Garcia was was really very good in that movie. I thought he, uh, you know, underestimated. I mean, underrated because the movie was always so bad. Steve Stebbing, thank you so much for your time tonight. I appreciate it. And I, clearly, um, you know, Top Gun Maverick is worth the flight. So to speak. yeah. Hey, everyone should go see it. Uh, thanks for having me on, Ben. I appreciate it.